You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. So let's start with the second round picks, shall we? This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, right here on TSN 1050. And as always, the show is brought to you by FanDuel, but on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sports Book app. We have had... So far, four second-round picks in a Josh Richardson deal, five in a Jameis Wiseman, five in a Jay Crowder, five in a Gary Payton the second. So 19 second-round picks have been moved today. But the, the five that went in the Wiseman deal yeah. were then flipped. Flipped, right. In the Payton deal. So in the Gary really, Payton. Really yeah. only 14 picks have moved. To be fair, only yes, only 14 <laughs> second-round picks. That, I feel like there's correction. more, too. I feel yeah. like there's more second-round picks, but those were the big number ones. No, there's others that are sprinkled in the yeah. other deals. Yeah, there is. By the way, uh, apologies to Paul Millsap, Chris Middleton, Mark Price, Tony Kukoc, Alex English, Mark Gasol, Draymond Green, Dennis Rodman, two-time MVP Nikola Jokic, and Manu Ginobili. All of those players selected in the second round of the draft. There's been lots of uh, moves. Uh, Charlotte trading Mason Plumley to the Clippers for Reggie Jackson. The Clippers uh, getting Eric Gordon. And, of course, the big deal earlier in the day, or late last night, early this morning, Kevin Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns for lots of picks and some players going back to Brooklyn. And all of this leads it right back to the Toronto Raptors. We are waiting to see who is going to get moved. Will anyone get moved? The Raptors are actually right now, they've been buyers, not sellers. They traded for Jakob Pertl, a much-needed piece for the team. They traded Ken Birch and a protected 2024 first-round pick. And... Some second-rounders. So, yes, that number is certainly higher than 14. So the Raptors in 10th so far in the East, they are actually buyers, not sellers. And now the question is, what does Denver and Memphis do? Those are the teams at the top of the West. Maybe Denver does nothing. They're a great team. Best record, best scoring differential, best player. But Memphis, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Do they make a move? Then you go down a little bit further, and it's all about the Golden State Warriors. All eyes on them. Right now, they are in ninth. Now, they're only a couple games out of being in sixth, but it's all packed. And the team below them, the Los Angeles Lakers, they went out and got shooters, and they got better by getting rid of Russell Westbrook. So if any deal happens between now and... Four o'clock, we will let you know. Also, uh, we'll have Wesley Chang, who covers the NBA from a fantasy angle, betting angle, but just a basketball angle from TSN Edge. So he is going to be joining the show at 3.30. But right now we go back to the Super Bowl, and it's been ages from the Toronto Sun, NFL columnist. It's John Crick. John, thanks so much for joining the show today. Kazi, Super Bowl week. It's Christmas. It is. It is, except for Kevin Durant is landing where the Super Bowl is happening. <laughs> well, you know, there's other small things happening, other small sports, I suppose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, but but like this, I think the best way to describe this game is like, you know how sometimes uh, us gas bags, and that, I mean me, not you, you're a columnist, you're one of the real ones. No, I am. We, um, you know, we always say, well, you know, it's going to be a close game. And a lot of Super Bowls aren't. They're blowouts. But this is the first game in a while where I don't think anyone, and I'd love to get your take on this, I don't think anyone has a really definitive answer to the question of who's going to win. 
Well, good. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that because I've I, I put my little newsletter that goes out every week. Um, people can subscribe to that just by for free. But when, when I had to pick the game, I always do that first before I put it in print or online. I'm sitting there going, I don't know who's going to win this game. And I actually said, look, you know, this is the most vexing game out of the whatever it is, 285, that I've picked this NFL season. Yeah, And I think it, it's because, uh, just briefly, I think, on paper, Philadelphia is probably a little better. Yes, but the experience factor in Super Bowls isn't always a big deal. I mean, Tom Brady is in his first year starting, knocking off the best team in the league, the Rams, and there's you know examples every few years like that. But it does count for quite a bit when you've got a quarterback who won in Jalen Hurts, who won his first playoff game two Sundays ago, going against Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is already in his third Super Bowl, so. To me, those kind of even out, and I'm giving a bit of an edge, I think, maybe to the Chiefs. And it's funny, and then I've talked to a lot of people saying, giving the edge to Philly because they are better at every position. And I, I hate to sound like a broken record. To me, this comes down to, um, do you just believe fully in the Eagles' defense? And you can. The numbers are there. The talent is there. But how much do you put into consideration Kai, uh, you know Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Cooper Rush, Cody Pickett, David Mills, Heineke, Tannehill, Daniel Jones several times, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, Davis Webb, San Francisco busted up quarterbacks. The Eagles have certainly feasted on a lot of mediocre passers. Yeah, they have. You know what? But you know what? So have a lot of teams that made it to a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, I was talking to my boss the other day just about how, you know, with the Patriots kind of uh, out of relevance uh, nowadays, and you look back on it, and uh, and we're joking because you know the Jets still seem to be the Jets. You know they just even if they get a good coach, who I think Robert Sala is, they just seem to default being bad. But then we went from there to well, when the Bills were bad all those seventeen years, and the Dolphins and the Jets, you know, changing a, one of the three changed the head coach almost every year during that long dynasty. And you go, well, how much did it help them? You know, so anybody that wins typically doesn't get through it. And, you know, they had the hardest schedule in the league, and they played every team that, that was at its peak when they played them. No, I mean, you're going to get some uh, some tomato cans in there, and, and sometimes you'll even luck out and have a few, two or three or four teams that, you know, had some key injuries at that time that they played them. So I don't think you should take away on the score after, you know, all these games that, uh, look, they've only lost one game, Philadelphia Eagles, the yeah. entire season when Jalen Hurts played. It's incredible, and it's um, like they don't really. I'm trying to think their biggest weakness um, is this year, and and maybe it's you know sometimes you can blitz hurts and get to him, but it's not like they have many weaknesses uh, when you just because if I look at these two teams, I give the edge to quarterback and tight end to uh, Kansas City, but almost anywhere else, I think I give it to Philly. Well, right. And you know what? You know, this is kind of segue. Sorry for the self-service here. Do but, it. Um, Benjamin St. Juice from Montreal, who uh, is the starting one of the starting quarterbacks for the Commanders, Washington Commanders. And, of course, they play the Eagles twice, being in the same NFC East division. And I reached out to him and got him and asked him about defending them because that one loss we just spoke of for the with the Hurts uh, quarterback Eagles yep. came against Washington, yep. um, and they made the Eagles in on a Monday night, I believe it was. It, it was, was prime time anyway. Yeah, in Philadelphia. Anyhow, I asked him what happened. What was and he gave me some good stuff. The story just went up online at the Toronto Sun dot com, and he said that 
it was they they specifically sat down, you know, with their head coach Ron Rivera, who's defensive minded, and Jack Del Rio, their coordinator, with the p- defenders, and said, "Look, that first game we lost, they had the Eagles six plays of twenty plus yard completions, like, and I think four of them were more than thirty eight yards. So they're killing them deep, and so they just decided in the rematch in November, week ten, that they're not going to complete." deep passes, and they just schemed and decided they're going to take away the deep middle. This is what St. Juice was telling me. And he said, what did we think they were going to do? They are going to start out hitting the little stuff, which I do, the little quick outs and the little uh, speed outs that they call them, or the quick slants, and they were going to try to force us to come up as a defensive secondary to cover that. He said, you know what, we didn't take the bait. We didn't do it. And he said the second quarter, the Eagles got tired of waiting and started throwing deep. First deep one, A.J. Brown on on a post intercepted by their safety. The uh, second or third time they tried to go deep, uh, St. Juice himself caused a fumble, and, and he said the rest of the game they went dink and dunk. He said they never tried again deep by game's end, and I went back to double-check what Benjamin was telling me was bang on. That was the only game all year where the Eagles had zero completions for 20 yards or more. In fact, their longest completions in that game were 16, 15, 15, and 12 yards. And so maybe there's something there. Maybe that is the Achilles. Yeah, and you know what? That's what you do maybe to a young quarterback like a Jalen Hurts is say, no, 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 if you're going to do this, this is going to be a 14-play drive. Actually, it's funny. That's something that that Patrick Mahomes has now mastered. Was Last year was his worst year, and he got better by becoming more boring. He got better, and I've talked about it this week, his uh, average yards per pass in terms of distance beyond the line of scrimmage is basically the shortest of his career, yet he also is having the long, like he's also had the most yards after the catch. The, the Kansas City Chiefs have this year. They've had more yards after the catch than any team in the last like 15 years. So in a lot of ways, Kansas City's got to try to make Jalen Hurts get impatient. And then on the Mahomes side, he learned to take the short stuff and be comfortable with it. Yes, it's, you know that's so that's such a good point. And you know, I spent a couple a whole morning a, a couple weeks ago, you know, in between the the weekend playoff games, just scratching my head, going, "All right." Intuitively, it feels as though the Chiefs' offense should be worse deep without Tyreek Hill. Yes, and should be weakened in some ways. And I was struggling, and and still uh, to to find the definitive gotcha stat. But you know what they said on the broadcast uh, in the uh, AFC Championship game, and I and I haven't gone back and looked this up, but they said that the Chiefs were last in the league in third and short conversions. And don't you remember what they would do, including with Chad, when Chad Henney uh, replaced the injured Mahomes a couple of years ago in the divisional round against Cleveland? What did they do in that crucial fourth and one? Oh, just a little speed out for Tyreek Hill. Who yep. can cover that one and one? Nobody. You're not going. So I'm wondering if maybe his loss isn't what we all think is deep. It's rather in those short downs when he was the money guy. But there was one stat that against Jacksonville in the uh, in the divisional round just a couple of weeks ago that I noticed, and it stood out to me for the Chiefs stat-wise, and that is half. I think it was 17 of 35 of Mahomes' targets went to Travis Kelsey. That does not happen if you have a healthy Tyreek Hill yeah. uh, uh, on the other side. So maybe in, in the crunch... Patrick is looking for Travis Kelsey perhaps a little bit too much, and it might come to bite them. Hasn't yet, but, you know, against a good defense, maybe that rears its head. It's funny. On the Chiefs' side of things, that's my my biggest question. 
Who is going to catch passes if Travis Kelsey is taken out? You know, McCole Hardman is out of the game. You got Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney. Those guys got banged up two weeks ago. There's a lot of pressure on names like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and the rookie Sky Moore. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, you know, a couple of them are banged up a bit. But you look at, he's always open. I asked Benjamin St. Juice about this, the, the commander's cornerback. I said, well, what about, you know, they didn't play them this year, but you played them as a rookie last year. Granted, they had Tyree Kill. Then I said, what is it about Hill and especially Kelsey that makes them, you know, we're sitting there watching his fans. Would you double cover him and you can take him away? You know, how many fans of the opposing teams are screaming that during games and the guy still gets open? He said, you know what? He said, we had numerous times we had the exact coverage we wanted with, and we did, and we performed it well. Like they should not have been open. He said, but you know what they do that nobody else does, or at least not nearly as frequently. He said, Patrick is in such, uh, he has he's in such tune with his receivers, especially Travis Kelsey. He said that they'll go out, and if they if you change and you disguised and showed them a man or whatever, and they go into into a zone, he said they already know it. And he said those two already know what Travis is going to do to beat it. He said he can beat anything, right? Like he's, he said, for instance, he gave me this for instance. He said if Travis Kelsey, you've got him guarded to protect the out. He said he'll see that. And he'll know exactly when to cut in to find the little window where he's going to be open. Patrick will see it, and he can see the field so well that he'll go, oh, he's going right there. And the ball's out of his hands with his own finger snaps. And he said, there's nothing you can do as a defender if he's curling into a little window open. And he said, but they do this all game long. And he said, it frustrates the defense, not because, oh, we blew this coverage or that coverage. He says, you're doing exactly what you want. I mean, we saw that game against the Chargers uh, late in the season when Derwin James, one of the best safeties in the league, had him. On the goal line, yep. and what did what did Kelsey do? That's the thing that St. Jude said. He said, he's got burst like a wide receiver. He's a tight end, and he can play physical. He said, you've got to get physical with him off the line right away. Get a hand on him, or he's just going to do what he wants. But he said, he can also burst in the short space like a wide receiver. So he's like a tight end wide receiver hybrid in that way, not in the way he can pet, catch the ball or see it coming uh, in those type of things. Mm-hmm. He said, just in the actual physical burst, he's something else. John, you mentioned before people want to get uh, get the newsletter. People want to keep up with all things John Crick. Where do they go? Yeah, Toronto Sun. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter. Uh, it goes all, all all season long, including this time, which is for most fans the best time of the year because you're all zero and zero after Sunday. Uh, you can do that, and then go to TorontoSun.com and uh, see my stories posted there. And better yet than that, go buy the newspaper this Saturday, this Sunday, yeah. and Monday. For all the coverage and then the recap on Monday, no one does it better than the sun. As always, John, really appreciate. Thanks for joining the show today. I always enjoy it, Kazi. You know, we since day one, uh, oh, yeah. you've been there uh, raising my flag. So I really appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the game. Thank you. You as well. That is John Crick from the Toronto Sun. Um, before we go to break, I want to remind everyone that tomorrow's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $20 million. Text MAX and your name to 105050. So text MAX and your name to 105050 for your chance to win $100 in Lotto Max tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto Max, dream to the max. So um, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is going to get traded. What about Fred Van Vliet? What about OG Ananobi? Looks like none of them are going to. This from Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, this tweet came just uh, about six minutes ago. The Raptors never turned out to be sellers. 
adding Spurs center Jakob Pertl on deadline day. They'll have to make some harder decisions in the offseason, but Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster tested and learned more about the value of several players. That feels a little mysterious, that uh, that tweet by Adrian Wojnarowski. So, you know what? We'll, we'll take a break. We'll get to it on the other side. Um, the Raptors, it looks like, are doing absolutely nothing. And I do not say that as a positive. I do not say that as a negative. I say it as uh, just as a statement of fact. Uh, what do you got there, Producer Nick? Well, I, I'm going to tease something on the other side, which I don't usually oh, do. That's usually oh, your job. Oh, what are you teasing? I'm going to tease what this deadline day actually is for the NBA. All right. We'll, we'll get to that on the other side. We'll get into that right after traffic. Maybe it's because we were all expecting something, and we were we always get excited as sports fans for something new. What's new out there? Oh, make a trade. Who's coming in? Also, when you get draft picks, there's nothing that is uh, better in terms of hope trafficking than future first-round picks because you can dream of who they are. You know, it's like when you go on a first date, you fall in love with someone because you don't know their warts yet. You just know all the good stuff. That's what a first-round pick in the 2025 draft feels like because it's all potential. It's all upside. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. You are listening to TSN 1050. And I, I start by saying this because the Raptors are doing nothing. They traded for Jakob Pertle, and that's it. That's it. That's done. Pertle's a good piece. Pertle helps the Raptors this year. Gary Trent Jr. has got a player option after this year. Fred Van Vliet, player option after this year. OG Ananobi, he's on contract for one more year at just over $18 million. This is, so the questions are, one, were the deals not as good as we thought? But that can't be the case. You look at what other guys are getting moved for. You're not telling me that OG Ananobi, there wasn't a lot asked for him, or Fred Van Vliet, or Gary Trent Jr. Now, I said before, I didn't want to see Fred moved. I wanted Fred to be here. And now you hope that the Raptors are going to be able to sign him. But they've now got to sign him. They said they want to. Jakob Pertl. You don't get rid of a first-round pick to have Jakob Pertl as a rental when you're 10th. So they're going to be looking to bring back him. And then what about Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr.? That's a lot of money you're giving out for a team that is five, six games under 500. So then, what is Masai Ujiri saying? To me, what he's saying is, this team is more like the 48-win team from last year and not the 26-30-win and 30 win team of this year. He could point to the scoring differential being better than the number 6 seed Miami Heat, who also, by the way, didn't do anything. So, it's a hard one. Like To me, I'm disappointed nothing happened because I think you're going to lose some players. They're just going to walk. And the idea is, you know, if you know you're not going to be able to retain someone, you move them and you get back assets. This does not feel like a great day for asset management for the Raptors. The pushback to that is, don't we have to trust in Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri, and the infrastructure that is the Toronto Raptors? Maybe the Raptors go on a run. Could they get past, uh, could they leap over the Bulls, the Hawks, the Knicks? Yep, they could. 
Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are fifth right now. That team looks like they're going to crater. The Miami Heat have a horrible offense. What happens there? So is this Masai Ujiri going, I believe in these guys. I believe that over the next, let's see, the Raptors have played 56 games. they got 26 games left. That over the next 26 games, this team can, can go on a 700 winning percentage sort of run. Make a run at six. Right now, though, they're four and a half games back. That is a lot. That is a lot to make up. I, I totally get it right now if everyone is disappointed that no deal was done. What I'm going to want to know is, one, what were the deals that were out there? What were the legitimate deals out there? Were they not as fantastic for OG, for Van Vliet, for Gary Trent as we uh, as we thought? You know, Because all the time, all we're hearing is, oh, all these Western teams, they're gunning for OG Ananobi. The Golden State Warriors, ninth. Ninth, they got to make a move. They got to try to keep up with Dallas, with Phoenix, with even the Lakers. Instead, Stan Pat. We don't like Stan Pat on trade deadline day because we like moves, we like action. Now, I swing over to my producer, Nick, who, uh, who had a. What is the theme for this NBA trade deadline? The theme for this deadline is returning home. Mm. We're returning, I guess, because right. they're not necessarily going to their home. Yeah. Um, eight different players heading back to teams that they formally played for, yep. which you don't see very often in the NBA, but uh, Gary Payton II, back to the Warriors, where he won a championship. Jakob Pertl, back to the Raps, as we already mentioned. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, back to the Lakers. Yep. Spencer Dinwiddie to the Nets. Eric Gordon to the Clippers. John Wall to the Rockets, where <laughs> see how that goes. Because um, that's just the whole thing. TJ Warren, back to the Suns. And Hill. Yep. Back to the Pacers. Eight different players going back. Going back. None of them of, of much note. Um, but yes, all of them, all of them going back. Um <laughs> at the very least, this means one thing. You're gonna lose guys and you're not gonna get anything back from. You're not like you're not Potential, most likely. The, the the Raptors, I cannot see a path. I, I can't see a path where Fred and Gary get get new contracts. No, I, I don't see a path where they both do, but it is the Raptors, and they've built a culture that maybe the players want to stay in. So I'm not going to say it's not possible, but it's very, 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 very highly unlikely. Yeah, I, I think we can uh, we can agree on that. I think I think I made that very clear, right? Very, 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 very. You 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 wrote like in grade six or seven when you have to do a 500 word essay, and then you just use very like 17 times. And emphasize it with well, here's the thing. Oh God. <laughs> So yeah, the the move Jakob Pertl coming to Toronto, and again, it's a good piece. Like that's a good it's the right fit type of player. Yeah, that they were looking for it. Really is. It's just you wanted something sexy, something fun to happen. You know, like oh look what the Lakers did. Oh look what the Suns did. Uh, you know, like all these other teams making moves. Even the Clippers going out and and trying to get better. Like all these other teams, like all these other teams are doing things. To me, like as upset as you could be as a Raptor fan, I get it. I would be more upset if I was a Memphis Grizzlies fan or two and eight in their last ten. Maybe even a Denver fan. Definitely a Golden State Warriors fan. If I am one of the, if I am a fan of one of those teams, I'm a lot more upset because I'm seeing everyone around you get better 
And the expectations for those teams are certainly higher than it is for Toronto. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I want to give credit to this because I thought it was the funniest tweet about the Toronto Raptors deadline decision. Mm. Javon Shepard tweeted this out. He said, Masai and Bobby hit the entire league with the pump fake jab series then ran out the clock. Yes. That's absolutely (laughs) what they did. That's absolutely. All right. Wesley Chang will join us on the side. TSN Edge betting analyst. We'll look at the big moves and what that means from a betting perspective and the Raptors making no moves. And what does that mean as well? We'll do that after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro, Canada's leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Trust the professionals at JanPro. Visit them today at janpro.ca. Time now for traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, right here on TSN 1050. So if you ever went to uh, went to the wrestling, went to a wrestling match, and every now and then there would just be a bad match, and the crowd would all start cheering in unison. Boring. You know, it's just the, it's the two guys, and they're just like, the, the biggest move is a headlock. You know, and then, oh, God, he's got him by the arm, and, and boom, oh, man, his shoulder's going to be feeling that one tomorrow, Gene. And it'll be a boring match. And you go, boring. Well, that's been the NBA trade deadline from the perspective of the Toronto Raptors. Joining us now, and we'll talk more than Raps. We'll talk NBA. We'll talk about uh, the Durant move, what it means for futures bets and all that. It is Wesley Chang from TSN Edge. Wesley, thank you so much. I know you're busy today. Thanks for uh, stopping in studio. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Thanks for having me. So, um, all right. The negative for me, because is that you know the Raptors are not going to be able to keep Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. Both of them are player options, and some team will just offer them a lot more money than the Raptors can spend. So it does feel like Masai Ujiri, was, his, his protocol here was, we're going to try and make a run this year in the East, even if it means we're going to lose players and get nothing back. That's kind of what it feels like Masai's message is. I literally can't wait to see what he's going to say in this press conference. It's going to be very important to see what his thinking is. Um, who knows? Maybe they were trying to really get some deals done and just n- nobody was out there playing ball, right? That's a possibility. We'll find out. But th- the problem with that is the Lakers got better. Like, I know the Lakers are not a great team. They got, they got shooting. I agree. They got shooting. They I needed agree. shooting. I'm starting with them. The Dallas Mavericks probably got better with Kyrie Irving. The Phoenix Suns absolutely got better. L.A. Clippers made a couple moves. Nice for them. So that means Denver, Memphis, and Golden State just sat there and didn't. You're telling me those teams didn't offer something good for a Fred Van Vliet or more specifically an OG Ananobi. I'm okay. So to mention those teams, they all made these marginal, we were joking, like kind of peasant level moves, right? So obviously a lot of second, you guys have been joking about it all day. Second rounders, second rounders. going everywhere, like hot cakes, right? By but, the way, every guest of the show gets a second round 2025 oh, thank you. pick. Oh, I can't wait to have you, mine. Wesley Chang, you, you will be drafting in the second round in 2025. Ah, oh, love it. You know, that's exactly what I came here for. Yeah. So thanks. I'll collect my check there. <laughs> but um, you know, going back to it again. They made marginal moves, right? Yeah. So nothing, nothing that really improved them. Um, the way I've been talking about it behind the scenes is, you know, year of parity. We've heard it all season. Mm-hmm. This one KD trade, I think, changed the balance so quickly. Um, I think all these other teams, like Mem- like you said, Memphis, New Orleans, Sacramento, they're all probably scrambling, but they just couldn't find a deal out there that can match the weight and gravity of that KD move. So now they probably just 
they probably got gun shy a little bit, didn't want to give up as much as they felt like they needed to. And I'm sure Masai was like hoping to pit all these teams against each other and pay above market value for what some of the players were going for. Um, but at the end of the day, we've been talking about this in the newsroom the whole day, uh, the whole time just now. With Pirtle, mm-hmm. they are technically better. Yes, they are. They are, they oh, are no. better. Okay? 100% they're better. They are better, but it's all about just like what's the plan for the future. And mm-hmm. I think that's, like I said, I can't wait to see this press conference. I want to know what Masai has to say about this. I hope he gets like some tough questions because – there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discussion about picking a direction, one or the other. And this one just feels so down the middle right now. You and me both, we're staring, talk, looking at this whole situation. I don't actually know what their game plan is. The best case scenario for the Raptors, and you tell me if this sort of is in line with you. The best case scenario, they go on a bit of a run. They get out of Chicago, Atlanta, maybe the Knicks, you know, Um Brooklyn Nets will fall down. So, to me, the best-case scenario is the Raptors lose in the first round of the playoffs in seven against either Milwaukee or Philly. That's what it feels like the best-case scenario for the Raptors this year is. It's probably not better than that. I mean, the conversation is about, like, how much does the playoff experience for some of these younger guys, like Scotty Barnes, OG, even OG once again, like, Mm -hmm. how much of that that adds to the development for the future? Yes. but the other thing, again, is eventually they're going to have to figure out who they're going to pay. Mm-hmm. They can't pay everybody. They're not. No. So, you know, do they have something that they think they can pull off in the, in the offseason? Great. My feeling, though, like, listen, we're not, we're not, what, we're not general managers. Okay? We don't, we we don't know all, everything that goes into it. But it just felt like the perceived value of some of the key players like Fred, like OG, was higher at this present moment than probably what they'll get in the summer like you have to bake in that this is a season where it felt like a lot of teams really believe they had a shot it's not a you know golden war like golden state warriors dynasty season where everybody knew you're playing for second a lot of teams think they probably have a shot at it this year og ananobi will help any contender yes fred should do the exact same so you know and you can you can argue in the summer they'll be worth the same sure but i just felt like with this added run on top of whatever you paid them summer onwards, I just thought you can get more. So uh, who knows? Maybe maybe Masai knows something we don't. We're going to find it, out very soon. We're going we're gonna to find out. And he gets a lot of the benefit of the doubt. And I don't mind giving him the benefit of the doubt because he he deserves it. The team deserves it. This, the same way um, we're going to be a little more tougher on the Maple Leafs because they always lose in the first round of the playoffs. Benefit of the doubt is something that you earn, and the Raptors have earned it. And I was saying before that, you know, you're bummed out as a Raptor fan because you're hearing all this Shiny, a shiny bauble of the hope of we're getting this young player and wait, this draft pick a year from now. Oh, it's exciting versus wait a minute. We got the same group on a team that's four games under 500. I understand why Raptor fans are disappointed. If I'm a Memphis Grizzly fan, I'm way more pissed off. Oh, yeah. I am way more upset when I see my team is now two and eight in the last 10 and they don't do anything. Kyrie goes to Dallas. Durant goes to Phoenix. Uh, the, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers do get a little bit better. You know, if I'm a Golden State Warrior fan, I, I know they made some moves, but those are peasant moves that Golden State made. <laughs> to your point, those are peasant moves. They're sitting there eating <laughs> gruel and, and worshiping odd sun gods. Like, uh. like those are peasant moves. If I'm Memphis, if I'm a Grizzly fan, I'm pissed off right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, the thing about Memphis that I don't understand, um, they, they're capable 
they're capable of upgrading and having a real shot of this. Even with Kevin Durant and Phoenix, I think they're the type of team that will match up well with them. I, um, you know, okay, what, what are the, what would you say the odds are in this upcoming presser of one member of the media, at least minimum one asking uh, Masai a question about playing for what? Yeah, oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. By the way, oh, I'm looking on FanDuel and Steve Simmons is at plus 125. <laughs> To uh, to ask that question, he's got the uh, the lowest odds right now. Absolutely, Ab- someone's got to do it. And Shams was talking about it. Shams Sharnia from the Athletic that you know teams like Toronto and Chicago feel the East is now more open with Durant moving. the The problem with that is yes, you're 100 percent right. The East is now more open, but Boston and Milwaukee are legitimate behemoths. Philadelphia can be. Yep. And Cleveland is a scary team. I know. So to say it's wide, I don't say it's wide oh, open. No, it's, absolutely not. Yeah. The strength of the NBA is still, I'd say, Boston, Milwaukee first. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how Phoenix develops. And Phoenix should end up becoming the, the, the top contender out of the West. But those two teams, I mean, they are still the real deal. I still think they deservingly are the front runners to win the championship this year. Yeah. And like you said, Philadelphia is a really tough out, I think. They even even them they upgraded slightly as well. So they made marginal gains. Even even though Brooklyn's the one big shoe that's kind of fallen off this uh, Eastern Conference side, um, it's not enough for the Raptors to feel like okay they actually have a serious threat here. It, it, it's it's going to be a playoff experience. It's going to be about buy, like waiting their time and then maybe in the off season they do something more legit. I, I bet you it, they just didn't have anything they were willing to take back in a deal, and they just said you know what. We like our roster as constructed. We'll just leave it as is. Masai obviously feels this team is is closer to the 48-win team than they were last year than the one that's four games on, under 500. But we, all, all we know is this, that there's some problems within this, within this team, within the players. Like, you know, there, there was some dysfunction. We don't know what it is. No one has come out and said specifically. And I don't know how much of it that gets fixed by adding Jakob Pertle. Well, I mean, I also get the feeling, you know, lose, like losing always breeds kind of uh, negative energy yep. no matter what. Yep. And I'm sure Absolutely. I'm sure if they're like honestly, they're if they're four wins, mm-hmm. five wins the other direction, mm-hmm. I bet you the vibes would be very different. Yeah. But that's just ultimately how the season's gone for them. It they I would say by by and far, they are the most underachieving team out of any of the thirty teams in the NBA this year. Absolutely. So when you're having that type of run, how can you be positive in that situation? But now that all the trade deadline noise is settled um, I think maybe take a, few, a game or two, but they're probably going to strap in and say, hey, look, this is what we got. This is our team. Let's seriously make a run for this thing and see how far we can go and just push. That's one thing you got to give the Raps credit uh, credit for. When they are playing hard, they're very tough out. Yeah. So, oh, God, uh, yeah. I mean, like, Siakam's an all-star. Um, Scotty Barnes getting better. Fred Van Vliet's numbers are starting to get back to what they were when he was an all-star last year. I know. You know, so... But they are fifty-five to one to win the East on uh, on FanDuel. Yeah, that's not happening. You know that. The um, the Phoenix Suns are now the favorite to win the West. They are plus two ten on FanDuel. Denver is plus three twenty. Then a bit of a dip of the Clippers. Wow, everyone loves Kawhi. Oh, the Clippers at uh, at five to one. But uh, should the Suns be the favorite? I think deservingly they're the favorite. KD still has to come back and be healthy first and show that he can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you're talking about just raw talent. That team offensively is pretty much indestructible. 
you know, you pick your poison on that offense. Any one of those four guys um, are very capable of getting the Rockets on their own. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing for me is I thought Denver would do just a little bit more. Yeah. I really thought they would. Um, obviously, Denver, they have the MVP, okay? mm-hmm. the unstoppable force, and I think that's going to be a really good matchup for them if they end up facing off in the playoffs. But Kevin Durant shooting 58% from the mid-range, having a career shooting season, uh, so long as he's healthy, you know, I, I always say he's the best pure scorer yeah. in the NBA no matter what. And in the playoffs, you know how it goes. Um, it's a lot of iso ball, and I think, I think cr- like crunch time minutes, they just have too many people who are capable of getting their own buckets, whereas like Denver, you could say maybe Jamal, maybe. then you got Jokic, but that's it. And then Phoenix has three guys that can get their buckets on their own. Yeah, I think for Denver, they're like, well, if we have 100% healthy Murray and Porter, then that's but that's por- enough. But Porter can't get his own shots. No, I Porter know. gets everything from Jokic, right? Yep. He, the same thing with KCP. They're having such elite seasons because it's Jokic. Yeah. He sets it all up. And, so. and, and you're right. If, if teams treat Jokic, I think we've talked about this before, the way teams used to treat Steve Nash when Nash was in the MVPs in Phoenix. It's like, okay, Steve, we're just going to let you score. You can go score 40. We're going to shut down all the passing lanes. I imagine that's going to be the same approach to stopping Denver. It's like, Jokic, um, you want to take 38 shots and make 24 of them? Knock yourself out. But everyone else is going to be silent. Guarantee in a, in a series, critical game, the one team's going to at least attempt that. And who knows? It may work. It may not. Jokic is literally the be- probably the best center, passing center we've ever seen playmaking-wise. So um, it'll be ve- it's a very interesting playoff coming up. By the way, the, the West just got stronger. They just got Durant. They I just know. got Kyrie. Everyone. You know, like, we, were, we were supposed to have a year where the East was saw the behemoths. Um, is there is there any other bet you like? Any any uh, future bet out there? Um, like I'm looking at the the odds for the Western and Eastern Conference. Is is there anything out there that uh, that piques your interest? Honestly, I gotta I gotta wait for all the dust to settle. Right. Yeah. Um, that's fair. I think. I think I'd be, you know, the one I want to see in uh, in short order is I just want to see what they price Toronto's odds to make the playoffs after mm. all of this. I'm just curious. I want to yeah. know. Um, obviously, they weren't in good shape uh, going into the deadline. They It was very marginal improvement on their part. But the fact that Brooklyn has regressed so far off, they're obviously going to be one of the, like, they're not going to be in the top six by the end of it, I don't think. Um, none of the other teams really, like the, the middle your teams really improved much like Chicago didn't even make a move they didn't make which a is move. shocking nothing so you know who knows the Raptors might actually have their price improved um when it's all uh, said and done but we gotta wait and see first right see right number. now the Raptors to make the playoffs plus 184 so you bet 100 you win 184 uh to put that in context uh the Lakers are plus 194 so FanDuel still has the Raptors with a better chance of making the playoffs and you know what we'll end here just for anyone looking to place a bet tonight what the hell do you do with the Milwaukee at Laker game? Yeah, Where, like, the Lakers technically got better. No more Westbrook, so you get that off of you. And you got guy, you got a couple good shooters on the team. But, you know, no real big move. Coming off that emotional loss, LeBron sets the record. They're now at home. Like, hey, Milwaukee hasn't played in a bunch of days. The Bucks are, like, an eight-point favorite on the road in L.A. How do you treat this Lakers-Bucks game, which is the best game of the evening? 
I would say, um, again, this will probably all be more available closer to game time. Mm-hmm. It's the replacement players that I think you're going to have to really cherry pick to see whether or not there's good opportunities to take overs. Like the example of these last few games, like Cam Thomas. Yeah. Like that. That's, that's been the one, right? That's been the one. Um, 40 and that, every night. Yeah. Well, that number's creeped. It crept up all the way to 24 and a half, mm. and he still covered it, right? Yeah. So there's going to be a few opportunities like that. Actually, I think three, well, pretty much every single game has a player that was involved in some trade. So um, we'll see what the opportunities are closer to tip. Yeah, the other note I had here that I thought was hilarious, 30 teams in the NBA, only two teams mm-hmm. didn't make a trade during the deadline period. Chicago and Denver? Uh, Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland, yeah. That's it. Well, yeah, I mean, the only two. if you're Cleveland, their big deal they did in the offseason before getting Donovan Mitchell. You know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a young team. It's a dangerous team, and... Uh, you know, uh, and, but you never really heard too much about the about the Cavs going into it. I mean, that's the other thing. We ended like this. All we've had the last four days, ESPN, Fox, yeah, like everyone ignores the Raptors. All we've had the last five days is we've been flirting. Oh, They've been I flirting know. with us. Everyone's talking the Raptors. And in the end, as a dud. Yeah, like it's kind of interesting how much noise there was because so much. Noise. I mean, this is this is the thing that always like was befuddling me. All of the noise felt like it was external, mm-hmm. like non-Toronto market people saying, "Oh, here, this and this is on the table." That, like, you know, what I mean, this player. Oh, uh, um, technically speaking, we didn't hear anything on from the Toronto market. It, yeah, it was all these other, these other national ESPN people telling us, "Oh, we hear A, B, C, D," but um, in the end. I'm again, like I said, this press conference coming up. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I really want to hear what he has to say. I feel like uh, my opening thought tomorrow will be based on what Masai says today. Hey, Wesley, thank you so much. Check out his work at tsn.ca/slash edge. Uh, you'll see him on Sports Center on CP24. He's everywhere right now, as he should be. All the best, my friend. And the hair survived. The hair survived you wearing the uh, the giant radio headsets. Hey, always a pleasure doing these in person. Thanks, guys. Coming up on the other side, uh, we'll probably just giggle at Ben Simmons. We'll do that after traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Everything was happening today except in the city of Toronto. And Ed Tarasenko got traded from the St. Louis Blues going, going to the Rangers. Uh, as for the Maple Leafs, hey, Connor Timmins. See, Toronto stuff has happened. They've signed with you a two-year contract extension. And, um, you know, between Timmins and Lilligren and Giordano and Sandine, under $5 million for those four defensemen next year. Matt Murray's been placed on injured reserve. Leafs have recalled Pontus Holmberg, Alex Steves, and the more interesting one, Joseph Wohl from the Marlies. And then eyes also on Matthew Nyes, who is going to be chatting with his group, his team, to see what he does after the NCAA season happens. As for the Raptors, again, Kem Birch and a protected 2024 first-round pick, plus two future second-rounders going to San Antonio. They the get start Jacob of the Pertle. second round. The, what's that? The start of the second-round avalanche. Yeah, the, the second-round run kind of started there, and there's been 83 second-round picks have been moved in the last 17 minutes. Uh, the big move, obviously, Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns. Lakers get better at three. And, hey, by the way, the Raptors beat the Spurs 112-98 last night. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day! Sound of the Day! Here comes the Sound of the Day! And 
for Sound of the Day. This one's going to be ironic because we're going to be going back to the Kevin Durant trade to the Phoenix Suns. But this sound is from Ben Simmons. Ben, ben Simmons had just been acquired uh, by the Nets. And there it is. It's going to be Simmons. It's Durant. It's going to be Kyrie. Ben, how you feeling about your team? And as far as playing with Kyrie and KD, how do you think what you do accentuates what they already do on the floor well? Uh, I think it's going to be scary. Um, having those guys run alongside me. Well, it was scary what's what's happened where a month ago Brooklyn was on an eighteen and one run and was competing at the top spot in the East. And now Kyrie gone bye bye, Durant gone bye bye, the West got stronger, and the East opened up a little bit with Brooklyn being done. For sure, a little bit. Yeah. And Ben Simmons like, wait, what what's going on? Like And he's still not even on like the top three players on that team. On the on the no. Brooklyn Nets, who who is the top player on that team right now, in your opinion? Is it Dinwiddie? Uh, well, I mean, you know, if you Nick Claxton, Nick Nick Claxton's really good. Yeah, he is. But who is the number one? What about Cam Thomas? He's put up like all those forty point games. He could be there, but I, will, <laughs> I think I need to see a little bit more than three games. They got a lot of B's on their team, right? Yeah, they got a lot. They got a lot of B's, a B's, a few C's. Yeah, yeah, and then Simmons. Thirty-two and twin Simmons, who's who's kind of just uh, you know, really just He's a mystery. He's just there. Yeah, there. He, yeah, there. There he is. Um, Masai Ujiri will speak to the media soon, and we'll um, we'll get you that best sound of it um, tomorrow. And also, Overdrive will be bringing it up as well. But I am I'm wildly fascinated to what Masai Ujiri has to say to just the simple question of Masai. There's no way you're going to be able to retain all of these players. Why did you not move one of them? Or even better, this, this is the way I would phrase it. Masai, listen, we all know that the offseason is going to be interesting. you got three players coming up on, on contracts. What's your plan? Like, Explain this to us. Yeah, he's not going to give you much. Which, if he did, I feel like that would be a pretty big indictment on him if he told us the exact plan. Yeah, no, no. That'd be problematic. Yeah, it's funny. We want the news, but also, shut up. Uh, Gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Should also mention that I think a lot of this comes down to what does Masai Ujiri feel about going for it, going for a, a higher playoff seed. What does that do for the development of the young players? I'm sure that'll be a part of it as well. Well, that'll do it for us, Nick. It's been a bit of pretty full show today. Pretty, yeah. pretty full show. It's been it's been a bit of a uh, whirlwind. Yeah, uh, three NFL guests. We got Wes in here. All of the trades that broke in the middle of our show, as mm-hmm. opposed to before. Yeah, even the Tarasenko deal, which kind of came out of nowhere too during Leafs lunch. Yeah, uh, just just a little bit of chaos. Yeah, busy day. That's Gotta good. love a little bit of chaos. I okay. love the chaos. Uh, and by the way, tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll also be previewing, you know, the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that. And that coverage you can listen to right here on TSN 1050 starting at 5 o'clock. All right, Overdrive is coming up next. Be good out there, everyone. Be safe. It's raining like crazy. So drive safe. Time now for traffic.